G'day superstars, Pips here, and I'm bringing you the round 12 lace out review of a massive, a huge, a Easter resistance week of football. I'm going hand solo tonight. Uh, doesn't really matter because I'm bringing everything when it comes to a massive round 12 of AFL football to each and every single person. Whether you're on the chat, or you're listening to us directly on the podcast, thank you very much for joining us on the host. Christopher Pepper, the 377-game superstar of the East Keeler Football Club and the host of Lace Out for the last six years. Uh, if you haven't done so before, just give us a shout-out. Share us on the uh, the Twitter files, on the on the Facebooks, on the Twittergrams, etc. Also, give us a like. Give us a uh, review on iTunes or Spotify if you can too because the more people that get to know about us, the better it is for everybody. Um, like I said, I'm going hand solo tonight, but it doesn't mean that we're going to be lacking content. All the big, uh, all the big facets of the show will be here. We'll be spinning some magnets. We'll be bringing a lot of cash because someone got a lot of cash today. We need to go through that. Uh, we go through each of the games. We'll talk about what's going on. The chat will be going absolutely banana. And if you have a question for me, drop it in the show notes or drop it in the Facebook page because we have got so much to get through. It's going to be a bumper and it's time to get straight into it. So the first thing as we're always going to do is we're going to get straight into the ladder. And if you have a look after round 12 of the AFL ladder, Collingwood, 44 points, one loss for the year, sitting at a percentage of 138.4, bit of a percentage booster against West Coast on the weekend. It was actually a tighter game than most people would have thought especially running through that third quarter, but they did stretch away in the back end. So they've got the best uh, best points and percentage of anyone running around in the league at the moment, and that is why they are going to be the premiership favourites in my eyes. Port Adelaide, what a first quarter. We'll get into that a little bit later on. You've got the Ds and Brisbane on 32 points, taking into account that Brisbane did have the bye. So Melbourne have caught a game up, but they'll be able to make that back in a couple of weeks. St Kilda, Essendon and Western Bulldogs, all on 28 points. You'd say that one or two of those teams have to drop out for either Adelaide, Fremantle or Gold Coast to jump in. I don't think Essendon will with the run that they've got. They're going to be playing finals for the first time in many, many years. Geelong Cats, a beautiful surprise win over the Western Bulldogs at uh, the Kennel. Uh, so they're slotting themselves in just on percentage of 118.9. Adelaide. Fremantle and Gold Coast, all on 24 points as well. The percentage is letting them down at the moment. And then I would say it starts to get a little bit thin. Sydney Swans on 20. Richmond, Carlton on 18. GWS on 16. Hawthorne, forget about them on 12. North, a better showing this week as well on eight points. And the Wet Toast Eagles showed a bit of spirit, but are sitting at the bottom, four points and 54%. I'd have to say it's going to be a season almost as worse as theirs from last year or from uh, when Melbourne back in 2012, 2013, those very, very lean years as well too. So we have a look at the eight. Unless Adelaide can win outside of Adelaide, they're not going to make it. Fremantle have had a great run. They've had the week off as well too, so they're going to be fresh. Hopefully they're going to have a nice run home. They've got the potential to make it. But I love what Gold Coast have done over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've got a, a testing game coming up. Uh, the uh, actually that got this week off. The week after is going to be a very testing game. And if they get over Carlton, uh, they could be looking towards their first final series. And I'll tell you what, I would be absolutely pumped if that happened. Great to see the superstar himself. Lee Ali has joined us on the chat tonight. We know him as Fang. We know him as the Whistler. He's an absolute superstar, and he's joined me live on the chat tonight. So good to have you here, uh, Fang, and hello to all the listeners joining me live. All right. Time for some magnets, everybody. Let's go start spinning some magnets. And I want to start with uh, the drag tonight. I normally start off with the good stuff, but I want to start off the baddies because there's a couple that I'm throwing in there as well, and one of them is my old mate, my old co-host with the most. Over to you, Ron. Haley off, Hellingworth on. Bloody winkers. Okay, let's have a look at this. Now, Jamie Wallace, he was the co-host and still is the co-host with the most when he can make it. And if there's one thing that has been going throughout the years on Lace Out is Jamie Wallace's sheer hatred, his detest, his disgust for Ken Hinckley. And yet, 
after a club record ninth win in a row. He still wants Ken to be dumped as coach. I don't know what you want from him, mate. You know, there's no tarps on the seats anymore, J-Dog. All right, you're playing some great football. You've still got a bucket load of players out. Your club is flying and you still want to chop the coach? Mate, that is disgraceful. Actually, I would even say it's... Out of, out of bounds. I out would say that is out of bounds. All right. The next one, the Hawks' first quarter. I haven't seen a first quarter played like that. I'd have to say until going back, oh, since Melbourne got smashed by Geelong. That's how... Uh, back in 2013, when we got absolutely pinged, the, uh, the 186 game. That was the most electric first quarter and probably the first half of football I have seen for a bloody long time. They kicked nine goals three in the first quarter. They were 16-9-105 at halftime. And then they took the foot off the gas. Hawthorne made it a lot more respectable in the second half. But, geez. Port Adelaide, they were brutal. And if they bring that type of football to uh, the remainder of the season and the finals, they are going to go a long way to winning the flag. The Hawks, it's, it's another week in a row where they've only had three goals at halftime. A couple of weeks ago against the Ds, they had one. It's not good for Sam Mitchell's team when, they, when they, they get a bit of forward momentum and then they put up a performance like that. It is a young team. But I think that said more about Port Adelaide's brutality. But, geez, Hawthorne were absolutely poor when uh, what they served up over the weekend. And look, it is a drag, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but, geez, my heart breaks for North. Uh, beaten by the interchange last week. This week against Essendon, they were up to their throats in taking that one out. And what happened? Beaten by the uh, sub. So, Andresio, Massimo Andresio, I can't pronounce it correctly. Comes in off the sub bench, kicks the winning goal, and wow, wow, we were up. That is exactly what happened too. So too bad for North. They have been really, really good over the last couple of weeks. They've got some cracking kids. Phillips was awesome. Wardlow, my goodness gracious. Like we 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 thought the Cheezel was good. Uh, you think uh, Davies Uniac wasn't playing. Simpkin gets injured as well too. They've still got a few out, but they have got a good core of young kids. And that forward line down there with Larky and Zohar, they have got something special. But it's just a shame to see them go down just in two unfortunate ways in two weeks. So, fellas, unfortunately, you're getting dragged this week, but that means that we've also got someone to hand out some. Three votes. That's exactly right. All right, let's have a look at three votes. And what I'll get you to do, listeners, jump on the Facebook page, Place Out AFL Podcast on Facebook, and just look for us and drop us in. Who are you dragging for round 12? Or are you, you giving the votes? Now, 440 is no longer the graveyard shift. It wasn't the time to go out to church or go out for an early dinner or go and see an early movie with the family. We have had some cracking games over the last couple of weeks at this particular time slot. And it's awesome to sit down with a pizza, a couple of beverages, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, I'll leave those ones up to you, and watch some cracking football. Essendon versus North. St Kilda have had some crackers this year. They had a belter against Collingwood. 4.40 used to be a time slot that nobody wanted to watch. As we've been moving through the season, that has become a really exciting time frame. And even more important, like it's been mentioned on a lot of the shows over the last couple of days, not having overlapping games on the Sunday makes it even better where you don't have to switch from one game to the next. All right. We spoke about how awesome Port Adelaide's first quarter was. But that was a team. But imagine as an individual, you went out and had 15 touches, five clearances, two goals. I'm talking about Zach Merritt, captain of the Essendon Football Club, the best quarter of football by any single person this year. Absolutely tore it apart. He set them up beautifully in that first quarter. They just said, Essendon, boys, jump on my back and I'm going to take you to the, I'm going to take you to glory town. And he did. And if it wasn't for Massimo right at the end, I'll tell you what, it could have been a bit of an interesting one if Essendon have been gone down because you think that they won a grand final after the win on the weekend. Facebook was going nuts. Twitter was going nuts. I'm tipping Tinder was also going nuts for a few players out there. But, uh, yeah, it was an absolute belt-up of a first quarter. So, Zach Merritt, you're getting three votes this weekend. All right. 
Sorry, Andy Bridge. It was 16 touches. Apologies. Didn't add the GST. Let's throw in another one. Harry Mackay. Now, how good was it when Harry Mackay's family were going absolutely berserk after he kicked his first goal? He's been in the headlines for his shocking goal kicking. He slots one around the corner. His favourite kick. Family are going nuts. Mum is going berserk. Dad's cheering in the old woolen jumper. Now, can you imagine when Carlton actually win a game? What do you think that they could be doing? They might even start bonking in the stands. That's, that's what I reckon could happen with Harry Mackay's family if they actually win a game. Because they were going absolutely berserk for when he kicked his goals. They actually win a game. I'll tell you what, it could be a bit of boom, chicka, wah, wah, in low, double G. And last but not least, I have to throw this guy. Look, I hated my team playing this, and this a lot of teams would have hated playing this guy over the years, and I'm talking about Luke Bruce. Kicked his 500th goal. He now becomes the sixth Hawks player to achieve this feat behind Dunstall, Matthews, Hudson, Michael Moncrief, Michael Moncrief, sorry, Lance Franklin and Jared Rafford. So it makes him the seventh to achieve that feat, which is something that not many people will be able to do. But it was absolutely um, an absolute barnstormer of a result. So I tip my hat, or in Jamie Wallace's uh, case, his toupee, uh, to you, Luke Bruce. All righty. Things are coming thing thick and fast on the chat. What have we got here? David Salt, I'm very upset with Carlton List, except for Adam Saad. Put the seconds in and see if they will do as they are told. No fault in Voss. Very interesting, David, that you're coming up with that. I reckon for every one of you, I'd have nine that would say it's Voss's fault. Uh, look, I watched them off on the Friday night. We'll get into a bit of a, a wrap with the games very, very shortly, Salty. But I'll, I'll honestly say that they, their disposal is poor, their effort is poor, their structure is poor. There is nothing about Carlton to like at the moment. They're not even using Adam Saad. Uh, he's got an absolute blistering pace off halfback and they've refused to use him for whatever. If you remember the first couple of games of the year, there was some blistering blistering speed through the middle. They were moving the ball on quickly, precision kicking, et cetera. That's just gone completely out the window. And they're forwards. If Carlton don't, if, if Kerno doesn't kick goals, Mackay doesn't kick goals, Carlton can't score. And once again, it happened on the weekend, only scoring six goals. And with uh, Mackay kicking three of those, they are in a bucket load of trouble. Charlie Keegan's gone with Flagenden. Uh, you only beat North. And they were two players down. Two gun players in Simpkin in Greenwood. So Andy Bridges throwing that. If those two had not gone down, the Bombers would have lost the game. Charlie Keegan saying it's Flagden. Why don't we just keep a bit of a lid on it, boys, and just keep it in the middle? Just say, make finals, win a final. That would be a successful year as well, too. All right. I want to go and have a look at uh, Journey to the Draft. Now, our boy, Jacob Grant, have I got some news for you, trendsetters? We know that we've been following Jacob Grant through, throughout the year. Had a bit of a quiet one a couple of weeks ago. We always say, look, it's always not the one that you have. It's the one that's coming up. But let me just put this into perspective. He was in action on Saturday for the Dandy Nong Stingrays. And you know what? Our boy was B O. Gee, 30-point winners over the Bendigo Pioneers. He had two goals, but apparently he had something like 34 leads in the game as well too. That's how much he was working himself into the contest, and it went absolutely nutso. So I couldn't ask for much more. Like You've got to be excited by the young boy. Fingers crossed, and we're all hoping that he played the trial game for Vic Country a couple of weeks ago, and we are hoping deep down that he will be playing for the Vic Country in the national titles very, very soon. So a great week. He's got his week off this week uh, due to the King's birthday weekend. That's all right. We'll be coming back in round uh, the round after, but he might also be playing for uh, Vic Country as well too. So cracking result for the young boy, and I can see all the, all the comments coming in absolutely starting. So... Uh, Essendon had one starting midfielder. No, you didn't. You had you had four. You had a Ruckman and three people in the middle, Charlie Keegan, just like North Melbourne. So don't bring me with that sort of stuff as well, too. You had the same amount of players in as well, too. But uh, look, Essendon, bad, bad kicking. North came back. What an absolute run of goals. And it was an absolute cracker of the last quarter as well, too. So if you can get a chance, watch that last quarter of football as well, too. 
All right. Uh, it's time to uh, announce this week's rising star. And I can tell you now, I'm walking a little bit taller this week because finally, the big guy, the one that we love, you know who we're talking about. We're talking about the <laughs> Jacob Van Royen is the round 12 AFL rising star. And it's probably been recognized not for just one game. He's put in some pretty good performances over oh, pretty much since he debuted. 194 key, 194 centimeter key forward had 16 disposals, seven contested at 87.5% efficiency. Took a game high seven marks, two of those contested. Kicked a goal in our gritty and not very exciting win over Carlton on Friday night. Um, he had one goal assist and also had six goal, uh, six score improvements. He, look, I'll say it now. He is the future for the Melbourne forward line. Um, they need another body down there. I don't think it's going to be petty. They've got this young bloke, Jefferson, uh, sitting in the twos. He's not going to be ready for another season. He needs an, at least another preseason under him as well too. But it was great to see the Roo loves a contest, loves moving up the ground, loves the club. He's there for uh, another f- uh, three years at least. And we're really excited to have him out there. So, Jacob Van Royen, congratulations, because you are this week's Round 12 Rising Star nominee. All right, what's coming through on the chat as well, too? The D's are looking good. Carlton are woeful. Essendon, interestingly enough. Okay, a little bit coming through. Buddy plays game 350 this week. Good luck to him. Lots of things happening. We'll get into that very, very shortly. Well, I reckon this is a bit of the, uh, the, bit of the show that everybody loves to hear. We, you know the music. You know when it kicks in. And um, if, you haven't got your, if you haven't got your bling bling and your, your pants down around your ankles right now, get ready, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, because it's time for a bit of this. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Let's just say, ladies and gentlemen, has there been um, a bigger announcement this week than, or bigger announcement today with the announcement of a certain Sydney Swans player pulling in a massive, and I'm talking about huge, contract. Like, this is one that we don't hear all that often. But we're talking about Nick Blakey, everybody. So Nick Blakely is committed. Nick Blakey, the lizard, as he's otherwise known, has committed. Now, I'll put this in perspective. He is, we're in 2023. He's committed to the Swans until the end of 2020. 31. Now, Clayton Oliver went to 2030. We thought that was extreme for the length of time that would be. But the Swans have come out and said, you know what? Blakey, he is an absolute, uh, he's an absolute gun. He's only 23 years of age, so it's going to get him to the age of 30. I don't mind that one. I don't mind that one. Now, Andy Bridges come out and says, what is it with Sydney and these ridiculously stupid deals? Well, there's only really two main deals that I can think of that have happened with Sydney. One of them was Lance Franklin, and you can't tell me they haven't got their money worth with him. And Nick Blakey, who's going to go close to winning their best and fairest this year, uh, 23 years of age. So when he finishes up, he's going to be 30 towards the end of his career. I have no issue with that. I have no issue with someone that you can see a future in, somebody who wants to be there and has embraced the club's culture. It's when you get players that are coming in 20. 526 and then you're giving those fivers they're the ones that are a little bit strange because usually between you know 29 to 30 is where things may start to happen and then you might actually lose out a year or two off that but for him to take 6 years uh, I think the swans have got an absolute ripper they're going to have bucket loads of money in their draft or sorry their their cap for 2024 onwards Who's the next big fish that you think is going to be pulled out uh, out of anywhere and going up to Sydney? There's a couple floating around. I'll get into that very, very shortly. But if you like space movies and you like astronauts, 
Apparently, he's the guy that might be moving up to Sydney. Exactly. All right. Andy Bridge said, uh, Sydney lost two years with Buddy, all the nose beers. Maybe with injury. Yeah, there was a couple, but he's been really reliable over the last couple. So, yeah, I do agree with you with that. But think about what they got in the first few years as well, too. Uh, Dusty might be going up to Sydney. Mm, I don't know. Would you take him for a year or two? How many years are left in Dusty altogether, do you think, listeners? I reckon there's maybe this year and next. I can't see it being much more than that. I just think his age. Um, he's been playing okay footy this year. He hasn't been setting it a lot. You know, as a stay-home forward down in Sydney, yeah, maybe, maybe not, all right? Apparently, Charlie Keegan's also said that they're making Narcos Australia based on, on Buddy. I'm not going to go near that one. I'm leaving that one to you, boys. Uh, apparently, you two are the experts on the nose beers, so I'm going to leave you that one <laughs> all by itself as well. Hey, let's have a look at some trade news and a couple of, um, a couple of things that have popped up when it comes to contract as well, too. Uh, so Mason Redmond, once again, bit of, bit of movement coming from Adelaide. Looking at him, they're, they're throwing him some pretty big cash to move him. He was pretty good on the weekend again, Mason Redmond. Would you say he'd be leading your best and fairest this year? Or would you say it's Zach Merritt? Mm, Essendon players, Essendon supporters, love to hear yours on that. Apparently up to eight clubs have inquired about Aaron Norton. Hope not as a forward because he can't kick straight. As a backman, absolutely delicious. I just wonder that. Um, I just wonder with the way that the, the Bulldogs play with their forward makeup, very similar to Melbourne's where it's more kick it deep rather than come towards the ball. Uh, Norton pretty much, needs a, pretty much needs to have it open to himself, I reckon. So that's going to be an interesting one as well because uh, West Coast will have a bit of money to throw around and they've got their eye on it. And especially if there's wants to be a trade for Harley Reid, would you do West Coast for number one for Norton? Hmm. He's only young. You never know. That might be one. Uh, Ash Johnson, apparently he's got very, a lot of interest. Some people like him. Some people don't. Mm, interesting way of that one. I'm not too sure. Uh, Jack Billings from the Saints. Just can't get a game at the Saints, so he might be moving on. But as Jamie the J-Dog said last week, he's not too keen on him jumping onto any list. Um, I'd hate for this one. I mentioned James Jordan last week. Uh, a number of clubs sorting out him. Why he can't get a game, I, I can't understand. He, he should actually get one this week with Harms not being in. But if he can't get into the team, I'd love to hear an explanation why. Because every single time he's turned up, he's done what he's needed to and nothing more than that as well too. All right. Uh, Paddy Dow played his first game for the Blues this year. He still hasn't been locked up. Uh, Sam Flanders is on the radar as well too and a couple of others as well. But uh, the main one coming out of that, obviously, is Redmond, Norton, Ash Johnson, Billings. But the big one was the signing of Nick Blakey for 2024 to 2031. Huge, massive, like look at it in a mirror. Hey, Charlie Keegan, Bevo hasn't quoted enough marks this year to seize the means of production. Hmm, interesting. Love the Essendon supporters saying that the Red Dog is going nowhere. Well, you know what? If you were doing a job for, I don't know, 500 grand and someone offered you 800,000, would you go? Hmm. Until you've been put into that situation, it's going to be very, very difficult to say yes or no. I reckon someone with Adelaide Crows were going to be offering that. I, I would take it because I reckon that the Crows, the way that they're set up at the moment, they need a nice backman. He'd fit in nicely there because their forward line is mint. And I think they've got a bigger future than the Essendon Football Club. Mm, mm, mm. He might have the cap space. Does he want to be there? Don't know. Don't have the answer. That's why I'm not, uh, not in drafting. But that's here comes the money for this week. All right. Let's go ahead and it's time to go around. Scoreboard. Let's have a look at the games from the weekend. The chat is absolutely flying. Uh, Middleton is not going anywhere closer to Adelaide than it is to Melbourne, but the Bombers have $3 million in cap space as well. Okay, you got $3 million in cap space. Good. Just if people want to go there. Okay. Yeah, what they say, you have the, uh, have the, buy the worst looking house on the best looking street. Don't buy the best looking house on the worst street. Hmm, interesting. Something in that for all of us. All right. 
Let's go around to the grounds. All right, Friday night, Melbourne versus Carlton. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it was an absolute snore fest. Uh, I think I had eight cans of uh, vodka lemon squash. 330ml cans, so they weren't full ones. This is how boring the game was. I, just, I had one, I had two, and I just had to get my way through it. Petrarca took the living piss out of everyone. Uh, Salem got into a bit more form. The back line worked a lot better with Tomlinson going down there. That freed up Lever, freed up May. May had Kerno to absolutely nothing. Um, and they were just better. It was just their finishing once again. That, that should have been at least a five or six goal win at a minimum. But unfortunately, bad kicking led to that as well too. So uh, Carlton can't score. They can't move the ball. They were smashed from pillar to post. Um, if, if you have a look just at some of the statistics going across as well too, like from a disposals perspective, they were beaten by 50. They did have a better uh, disposal efficiency. There was 300 more metres gained for the Ds, 20 more inside 50s to the Ds, uh, nine more uh, clearances, um, more contested marks, more shots on goal. They just outplayed them. And you're right, Charlie Keegan, Carlton should not play another game on Friday night. Um, I know we, we, we can smell what the Blues are cooking, but we, we, whenever that's going to turn up, I've, I've got no idea. But yeah, Petrarca got the 10 votes. Jake Lever was sensational running around off halfback as well too. Harry Mackay kicked his three. He kicked half their score, which is, which is great for him. Uh, but Melbourne were just too strong uh, across the board. You know, the highest rated players for the night were, were Petrarca, Akers, Decoding, Van Royen, Lever, and Chera and Mackay as well too. So Melbourne did what they had to do. They've got a massive test coming up this King's birthday against, Carl, uh, against Collingwood. Um, their defense is looking pretty good at the moment too. So it's going to be – it's. Premierships are one on defence, and they're going out right at the moment. They're not setting a light from a forwards perspective, but the defensive side of the game had a bit more hunger in it than I've seen for, for quite a number of weeks. So it was great to see. Um, and like I said, they took out the win on the weekend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we, if you had a chance to watch any of this game, even if it was the first half on the weekend, it was a demolition at its finest. When we're talking about... The Port Adelaide power taking on Hawthorne. It was an absolute smashing. Uh, at one stage, you couldn't refresh the phone fast enough for the goals to be kicking in because that's how awesome they were playing. They were moving. It was so, There were brown and gold witches hats. That's how bad it was. And once again, if you have a look at the player ratings from the day as well, too, we're talking about Junior Rioli kicking his four goals. Like He's had a bit of a nightmare this year when it's come to injury and a few other bits and pieces. It was like absolutely uh, sensational. Uh, Dan Houston, Todd Marshall was back again. Rioli kicks four, Houston kicks two, Marshall kicks uh, five. So what, we've got 11 right there. And it still was uh, just a scratch on what they kicked on the weekend as well too. Jeremy uh, Finlayson, he's had a bit of a nice patch of form over the last couple of weeks. He's probably, outside of Rosie and Butters, he's probably been their most consistent. And considering he's a bit of a swing man where he goes in the middle, goes down forward as well too, he's been sensational. And all the external factors as well too. Um, yeah, interestingly enough to see how that's gone. Uh, Hawthorne were just poor. No Sicily there. Uh, apparently Sam Frost has had something like 70 goals kicked on him this year. That's, that's what they're saying. Um, so he's just a liability being down there. You know, Amon trade, uh, tried, Warple trade, tried, Will Day tried, um, you know, Mitch Lewis kicked his three, but there wasn't really much to write home about from a, 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 a Hawthorne perspective. But if, if you ever look at the stats, like just a couple of stats that stood out to me was from a disposals perspective, there's only 50 disposals difference. And actually, Port Adelaide had less than Hawthorne. But they had, uh, they had almost 20 more inside 50s. They had 18 more marks. They had nine more shots of goal. So Hawthorne did claw it back in the second half, but the queue was in the rack by then. Well, the game was over. And for Jamie Wallace to say, you know what, Port Adelaide, don't sign up Ken Hinckley, he's absolutely dreaming. That, that's an out of bounds type of field. comment, and it would leave everybody with a little bit of emotional damage. All right, so it's just nuts to sort of see um, what's going on there as well too. So I think Port Adelaide, Nine in a row, sitting second on the ladder right now. They need to be eyeing off uh, two home finals because I can't see them winning the flag outside of 
uh, at least a prelim at the Adelaide Oval. We know last time that happened, they got smashed by the doggies. Uh, they can't have that happen again at all. So uh, Port Adelaide ticking along nicely. Hawthorne, they are where they are. And if you had a look at whose performance was better, definitely North Melbourne on the weekend. And I'd even say West Coast, even though they got pumped by Collingwood, that scoreline didn't really represent what happened at Optus Stadium on Saturday as well too. But uh, Collingwood won that by 63 points. It was 57 to 120. I don't have to talk about this bloke because we've spoken about him that much over the year. It's out of control. This Nick, this Nick Dacos bloke. Like he's had, I just want to roll this one out to you. He's had 30 disposals at a 70% uh, deficient, uh, disposal efficiency, 626 meters gained. He's also had five shots of goal. He's kicked three, throw in nine score involvements as well too. Uh, racked up seven coaches votes as well too. So he was absolutely electric. The best rated players on the ground for this one was my check, Dom Sheed, Ash Johnson, Taylor Adams, who just, he's not as explosive as he was a couple of years ago, but he's, he's, because, he's become that link man now. He's really, really good in the, he's really, really good in the um, delivery inside 50 because Tom Mitchell's come in, taking a bit of pressure off him as well too. Um, Oscar Allen and Darcy Cameron as well too. Oscar Allen is being wasted at West Coast. Um, considering he's, I think, top three in the Coleman, top three or four in the Coleman, and he's playing at West Coast, says a lot for what he's uh, bringing out every single week. He kicked another three goals on the weekend. Uh, Brody Majek, like, is he the most underrated player in the league? Like, he was on their rookie list for many, many years, got overlooked by many, many drafts. Does he ever play a, a game where he doesn't get noticed? Listeners, what do you reckon? Would you, if you could have Brody Majek in your team, would you? Because I know I would. At the moment, I'd love to have him because I know that I'm going to be guaranteed minimum of two, potentially three goals a week because that's what he does. He's just ever reliable. But uh, yeah, Ash Johnson having a great season as well too. He only had nine disposals, but he had he kicked three goals. His disposals efficiency went at 100%. Um, you really can't ask for much more from that. So, But West Coast, give him credit. Throughout that uh, third quarter where they, they had a run of goals, it did tighten the game up, and there was a bit of a question asked. Do you reckon that they could do it? Uh, and they weren't able to. They weren't able to sustain it, and uh, Collingwood ran away at the end. But it's probably the best performance by West Coast for the year. In the last couple of weeks, they haven't been playing the worst football in the league. They've actually been all right, even though they've been getting smashed. They've been having a bit of a decent crack. They seem to be have a few of the chains have been released off them as well too. So, West Coast, play the kids, get rid of your older ones. Uh, and, and just get some wheels into them as well too. All right, now Leo probably played his best game for two or three years on the weekend as well too. All right, this is a game that I didn't pick. I don't know if many people picked this one, but what do you reckon? West, Western Bulldogs versus Geelong. I thought this was the Western Bulldogs game to literally lose. I couldn't see Geelong winning them, especially away from GMHBA Stadium. But they've come out, they've won this one by 18, uh, they've won this by 22 points, sorry against a Western Bulldogs team. And, well, geez, it, where are the Western Bulldogs sitting at the moment? Like, for the Bulldog supporters out there, give me some sort of help. People on the chat, give, give me a bit of some advice. What, what's wrong with the Bulldogs? Is it, is it a coaching thing? Is it if the midfield don't fire? Is it because the back line have been pretty good this year? Liam Jones, you'd almost be saying, He's had a year out of the game, come straight big, straight back in. He's shored up their defense massively. But it's almost like the, the disposal efficiency for, for the Western Bulldogs, like it was, you know, a percent lower. They just spray their ball. Like they, they, from an inside 50s perspective, they had 51 inside 50s to Geelong's 47. But they got absolutely pantsed. <laughs> and if you get some footage, go, if you have a look at on the couch tonight or have a look at um, first crack on Sunday night, have a look at the way that they were bringing the ball inside the 50. They were bombing it in, not hitting up short leads, uh, not hitting targets. And they showed something like Ryan Myers and uh, Bailey Smith. They had virtually the same amount of uh, inside 50s uh, kicks. 
And Mize is going at 50% of all his kicks that go into side, inside 50, hit a target. Bailey Smith had 2%. So it was like one, one or two out of his kicks for the entire year of hit a target going inside 50. That's not going to win you any games of football. And so I don't think the, I don't think the doggies do enough with the ball when they get it. Yeah, they get a lot of it. And the, and the usual names, you know, Trelaw, Libba, uh, Caleb, Daniel, get a hell of a lot of the ball. Bont, McRae get a lot of it, but they don't, they're not damaging with it like other teams are. Uh, in terms of, of the coaches' votes, Tom Stewart, who's the, has he been the best genuine backman to play the game in the last five years? Geelong supporters? Listeners, what do you reckon? Consistently, has he been the best backman to play over the last five years? I'd say pretty much yes. I'd, I'd might throw Stephen May in there, and I'd probably throw in uh, Harris Andrews as well. But uh, I think Andrews had a bit of a lull season last year. But those guys have played uh, the, the, the best fullback, uh, best football as backman for, for, for quite a long time. Uh, probably the best backman since Rance, I'd, I'd go to say. That is how well he's been playing. But he got the 10 votes on the weekend. He was just everything. He was stopping. He was like he was like a lollipop lady, just stopping the cars. Just anything that came his way, stop, go back the other way. Stop, go back the other way. And he, he dominated the game across the board. Tim English was awesome as well too. He would be your All-Australian Ruckman. Jared Witts would be up there with him as well too. But I can't see any of those two. I know the Eston people will come out and say, Draper, what about Draper? Nah, he's a little, they're a little bit behind uh, Wits. And um, Wits in English at the moment as well too. Okay. Darcy Moore, yeah, good one. Good one. Darcy Moore, best backman. Um, I, think, I think he has. I think, I think Moore's really stepped up this year. And I think he was pretty good last year. But remember, they tried him as a forward for a little while as well too, where Stewart's predominantly been that backman. So I think just... He has been sensational, but Daniel was the Daniel was the highest rated player on the field, followed by Stuart, Tim English, Adam Trelaw as well too. Uh, Thirty one disposals at eighty three percent, but he only got two hundred forty eight meters. So there's a lot of handballs in that. And once again, like I was talking about a moment ago, if you have a look at the players and their disposals for the Western Bulldogs, Libba had thirty, but only three hundred and thirty two meters. Um, Cody Waitman had thirteen, but he only went two thirteen. So a lot of these players they're getting a bit of the ball, but they're just using their hands too much because that's the way the Western Bulldogs like to play. Uh, Geelong, absolutely sensational. One bloke I've given a hell of a lot of stick over the last three years. Um, I will say one thing. Gary Rowan makes Geelong a better team. Now, it's not often that I would say that, but when he gets those afterburners on, good, good luck catching him. And I think he played his best game for Geelong this year on the weekend as well too. He, uh, he, he kicked two. He... Uh, he he only had eight disposals, but it was just one of those when the game needed to be burst open, he did it twice. Um, so they just, just, that's just what they are because uh, Cameron hasn't been himself. Uh, Hawkins hasn't been himself, but Brad Close brings the game. Brian Myers, who we spoke about a little bit earlier on, is probably you know, going better than ever. And he's, he also got a contract extension um, uh, last week as well too. Tom Atkins doing what he needs to do. Butzav's doing his as well. So they've got a lot of great players and they just outworked and were more efficient going into the 50 than the, um, the Bulldogs as well. So it was interesting to sort of see. I thought the Doggies would take that out, take it out quite easily, but just goes to show, it doesn't matter how good your midfield is. If you can't hit targets inside 50 and hit up leading targets, uh, you're not going to win many games. And, and it was a completely polar opposites. Geelong hit their targets. Bulldogs didn't. Geelong wins. All right. Belter of a game. I picked this one. I did say Gold Coast would beat uh, Adelaide up there at TIO Stadium. Now, the question I have to ask all the listeners listening to this right now, it was a 25-point uh, a win to the beautiful Gold Coast Suns. Are the Gold Coast Suns, as you look at them now, the real deal when it comes to the Gold Coast Suns. Okay, now hear me out when I say this. They look tougher. They're running games out. Their midfield is just humming. Uh, you've, got, you've got Jack Lacocious just kicking another five. So he's kicked 10 in two weeks. 
You got Noah Anderson running through the middle. Obviously, Matt Rowell is just gotta love him. He eats grass. He's a redhead. He just he's just a footballer. He, I haven't seen anyone burst like burst out of packs like him. Well, he reminds me of Diesel Williams a lot, but just with a little bit more explosive pace. I just love what he brings. Ben King once again had his four shots. He kicks three. Um, Swallow in that midfield again. Joel Jeffrey, best game he's probably played for a while. Bailey Humphrey. Tell you what, he's going to go close to winning the Rising Star. You got Ballard as well too. They've just got a, a nice group, a nice core. Now Andy Bridge is saying that they need a new coach. Will improve exponentially with a decent coach. All right, but who are you going to take as that coach? So it, it would have to be somebody who's who's guaranteed to make a change. All right. So let's go through some coaches. All right. So who's out there? Well, at the moment, Hinkley's still at Port Adelaide. And there's no guarantee that he's going to stay, but there's no guarantee he's going to go. So would he make a massive difference to them? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you've also got Damien Hardwick as well. Now, I reckon he's the only one. If I was to send anybody up to Gold Coast, it'd be Damien Hardwick. I wouldn't go a new coach. I wouldn't go a rookie coach. You'd have to have someone with some runs on the board. I don't think Liam Cameron is the type for that group. I think Damien Harwick would be perfect. But then, are you guaranteed to get more out of Damien Harwick than you would with Stewie Jew? Does Stewie Jew just need some more experienced assistant coaches? Because as we know, the senior coach is only, you know, he, he, he says way the way it's going to be played, et cetera. But the players spend most time with the assistants. So do they need maybe more assistant coaches, experienced assistant coaches to take those kids to the next level? Maybe that's what they need. Because at the moment, a lot of those players are signing up to stay at the Gold Coast because of Stewie Jew. King has signed up. Lukosius has signed up. Anderson's signed up. Ben King has signed up. Rao signed up. All right? So a lot of these are Ballard. Uh, Bailey Humphrey, all these kids want to play for Stewie Jew. And I reckon if you ripped him out right now, that would not be the best decision to make. So I think there's definitely something there. Um, the AFL invest some more coin? Mm, I don't think so. I reckon the way that the AFL could do it is just put the, put the soft cap back to where it was pre-COVID. If they do that, clubs are going to be able to afford more assistance and that's where they can invest it. They don't need to invest more in terms of salary cap or anything on those lines, because they've got that core now. They're not having as many people moving and shaking. And also, apparently with the two that went out last year, which was um, Bose and the other one who went to, to um, Geelong as well too, it also freed up a bit of their salary cap. So the salary cap is in a really good spot where they can attract people now and, and good quality ones as well too. So they're in a good spot. Um but for Adelaide, just another example where they can't win away from home. Like Dicey Fogarty, he kicked his three. Brody Smith, you know, was great on ball as well too. But outside of that, um, they, they, they just got beaten by a team that wanted to go harder, faster, longer. Everything that we all um, we want to be in life. Uh, they just they hunted them out. They love playing up. The conditions, I reckon, uh, will be tough for either of those two teams. I know the Suns aren't playing this week. We'll have a look at Adelaide very shortly. If Adelaide are playing this week, put them down for a loss because coming out of Darwin, I know from a team that played up there for many, many years, the week after, you're very, very sluggish. And so um, Adelaide still have a lot to like, but that big question mark of can they win outside of Adelaide? We're not too sure. All right. Last couple of games for the weekend before we wrap up the scoreboard is uh, two absolute corkers. And if you have a chance to watch these last quarters of football, it was just, it was awesome. We're talking about the Giants versus Richmond. Richmond finally get a win uh, under a goal, uh, over a goal, if that makes sense, because they've been getting slaughtered by under a goal for so long. I think it was the first one since 2021 where they've won by over, uh, over or under 10 points as well too. Uh, Toby Nankervis, it just goes to show that they say that Ruckman are overrated. They're not overrated. If you've got a good Ruckman, they make a massive difference. And the highest rated person on the weekend was Toby Nankervis as well too. So he had 18 disposals, um, two contested marks, bucket loads of hitouts as well too, and he was just around the ground doing everything he needed to do. Uh, Callum Ward is having a bit of a purple patch as well too for, for, the, um, for the GWS. But Kieran Briggs, Ward, 
Toby Green, I don't have to talk about how much I love Toby Green. He kicked another three on the weekend. Perrymid, Toby Bedford, uh, he kicked uh, one on the weekend. And the move from Melbourne to GWS has worked out really nice for him. And also for Melbourne with the, with the, with the, the, the trade pick as well too. Jack Rewalt, look, every, every time we say that this guy is going to finish up, comes out and does something awesome again. So it's, isn't it awesome to see that just when you think someone has finished, he comes out and kicks another five goals. And it was back to the jack that we knew where he was moving up the ground, picked up seven coaches' votes as well too. So he did something perfect there. Noah Bolter picked up five. So his rebound coming out of fullback was sensational as well too. But GWS, I know it was another loss, but they are doing some pretty good things under Adam Kingsley. And like I said, they've, um, they've only had one game so far this year where they've won or lost by more than 24 points. So they are humming along okay at the moment. And if you think about what Collingwood did in 2022, that's the potential for GWS in 2023, where those losses slot into wins and smiles and moving up the ladder as well too. But uh, Richmond just have a bit of a sniff. It was a cracking, like I said, cracking last quarter. Um, Richmond, two minutes to go, kick two goals. When it pick its last one with the, the slot on the left-hand side, sublime. Um, I, I, I didn't realize he was that skilled. I didn't realize that that's what he could bring. Uh, and he's actually surprised me a little bit as well too because I know there was a lot of hype about him. We know he played that grand final, et cetera. Got to see him a little bit more this year. And every week he, he, he is delivering. So he's not just being ins and outs. He's actually delivering a lot more as well too. So I think both these teams can hold their heads up high. I know GWS will be shattered with the loss, especially how it went down. Uh, but for Richmond, just gives them a little bit of a sniff. I still think they're a little bit too far back. But stranger things have happened. And uh, we talk about stranger things that have happened. Stranger things happened on the Saturday night. Sorry, the Sunday night, the graveyard shift, as I spoke about. How good was the uh, North Melbourne versus Essendon game to wrap out the week? Like I said, Zach Merritt. Boom. Absolutely sensational. I told you, 16, 16 possessions in that first quarter. Uh, 34 disposals. Close to 600 metres gained, uh, eight clearances, 11 marks, kick two, <laughs> literally BOG. He had to share it with Jordan Ridley as well too from a coach's votes perspective as well too. So he was absolutely sensational down there. Draper kept doing his thing. But it was some of these names for North that I want to highlight. So Zerha, like he's been up and down over the last few weeks, but he's come out and kicked four. Now, I know Larky's been main goal kicker this year. That's a great result for Zerha because he's been a bit flaky the last few weeks, to come out in a game like that, um, absolutely sensational. He had 12 disposals, went at 83% and had four goals. Only had five shots as well, so that's massively accurate. Will Phillips, like we mentioned ago, had his best game for the club. Ben Mackay, so he just goes to show you, get a good backman back, it just frees everybody else up as well too. So I know people say, oh, a backman isn't where it is, or one midfielder is where it is, but it's not about that. It's the entire structure that a single person can bring back in. Adam Tomlinson for the Ds, he came back in. Now, he's not a, a massive centre-half back, but what that allowed is allowed May to be able to pick up who he needed to, allowed Lever to be able to peel off because he wasn't as responsible. So it's the many parts are the many rather than the individuals as well too. So uh, awesome to see. Uh, Salty, see you next week, big boy. Andy Bridge, see you next week as well too. Lukey McDonald, Taron Thomas played his first game for the year as well too. He had 17 disposals. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a cracking game. And just watch it because North were down by 35 at one stage and were able to you know, sneak back and get back in front. And then, sorry, that was the Gold Coast game. They were down by 35, got back up, 55-point turnaround to win that one. North should have won it. The Chiefs will try to check side out. Probably should have got a drop punt. I know hindsight's 20-20, but it would have been a perfect way for them to win and a game that nobody would have seen them to take out. Uh, but Essendon stuck to their guns. Uh, Massimo D'Ambrosio kicks the sealer at the end. And, and it was, like I said, it was one of those games that it, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. And if you look across the stats, across the board, it was virtually the same. Kicks, there was, uh, disposals-wise, there was only a 13 difference. Disposal efficiency, 3% difference. Meters gained was only 200 meters. When you're talking about 5,000 each team, that's, that's hardly, that's, you know, that's 2% difference between the rest. Inside 50s, there was only nine difference. Uh, Essendon just worked through North Melbourne zone a little bit better with their 19 marks. Two shots different, two, uh, one goal difference. It was just a belter of a game, even from the tackles perspective, one. So it was a really even game. 
And when it comes down to one goal, like North can hold their heads up pretty high. I know they would want it to win that. But Eston, they really got out, um, really got out of a, a, a difficult situation there as well too. Perkins had a, an all right game as well too. Um, Darcy Tucker, Liam Shields went on to merit, held him down a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was a great result across the board. And there is the scoreboard for round 12. All right. Let's have a look at one week at a time. Let's finish this, uh, let's finish this next round off of football. We're heading into round 13. It is going to be another round of football where, unfortunately, we're going to be affected by the bye weekend. So we're going to be a limited number of games. It all kicks off on kicks off, <laughs> kicks off on Friday. Sydney Swans versus St Kilda, seven ten p.m. That'll be a good one. We'll, we'll, can Sydney come back? Will St Kilda be able to get back on the winning board? They have a, they had the bye. They need this one to keep not just a top four, but also a finals position. You'd almost say game of the round will be the Western Bulldogs Port Adelaide Marvel Stadium. So a Port going to travel well. Interestingly enough, Western Bulldogs need to win to stay in the hunt. Port need to win these games to keep their top. Four aspirations as well, too. Hawthorne versus Brisbane at the MCG. Don't forget about that. If, if, if the Hawthorne of last week turn up, Brisbane could turn that one into a massive percentage booster. Uh, LA versus West Coast. That'll be all over. Adelaide by 15 goals. Fremantle versus Richmond. That's going to be an interesting one. Fremantle are sitting outside the final eight at the moment. Richmond would have a big sniff after the weekend last week. And... Um, Fremantle had the bye as well too, so they'll be fresh. Uh, so that's going to be a long road trip for Richmond for a team that's fresh. I reckon Fremantle will do that quite easily. North versus GWS. I reckon North are a massive chance for that. Carlton versus Essendon. Could you imagine if Carlton win this one? Essendon will be melting down. Scarves will be burnt. Napier Street will be on fire. Windy Hill will be blown over in bad news. And we know it all is the fight for uh, the, the Big Freeze 9, the King's Birthday game, the traditional Big Freeze game. It is the game of the weekend. It is Melbourne. It is Collingwood. Uh, you'd have to say Collingwood are definitely going into this one favourites. But if Melbourne can get the defensive game going, anything can happen. Also with Dugowie not playing. Also with Sidebottom not playing. Throws that structure out a little bit. So it's going to be an absolutely corker of a weekend. I can't wait to see that game. But I reckon there's a few there that might surprise a few of us. But what doesn't surprise you is that's your round 12 Review Lace Out Style. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And remember, give us a like, give us a review. Tipped out, we'll be back this week. I think I got five out of the seven. A couple of the teams let me down, not looking at you, Western Bulldogs. Um, but more importantly, we'll be back next week. Queen's birthday. Now, we don't know if it's going to be the Monday or we're going to be the Tuesday. Just depends what time I get back from the game because I will be there with the Turbo Princess Mayor. But more importantly, Good luck to your team. Good luck for the weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Lace Out. And more importantly, I'm Chris Pepper, and it's Lace Out, and it's how I want my food. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Lace Out. Head over to iTunes and Spotify to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And remember, join us every single Tuesday night, 8 p.m., Australian Eastern Standard Time on our Facebook page with yours truly, Christopher Pepper, and the co-host with the most, Jamie Wallace, giving you your footy how you want it. Face out. <laughs>